0: Welcome back to The Evil Eye, a podcast about goth movies. I am your host, Robert Scovarla And I am your other host, Sam Deegan. Today we have, I don't know if we'd call it something different. It's certainly different. Special. It's the movie Mirror, Mirror, an odd 1990, I don't know if you'd call it a goth drama, goth horror film, goth comedy. Yeah, it, it's That's it, a little bit of all of the above.
1: It's basically like if somebody made a Tales from the Crypt episode based on Heather's, the high school kind of misfit drama. It it borrows from a lot of things, like it borrows from
0: Carrie, but it also feels a bit like um, in the early '90s. You had shows. Uh, what's the what's the one with the blossom? I kept trying to think the hat and. Uh, Shows like that that were really popular on TV with um, young, I don't want to say odd looking, but Blossom certainly was an odd looking. That's an
1: understatement. And sadly, Joey Lawrence is not in Mirror, Mirror.
0: Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) We're dating ourselves there. I was actually too young to watch Blossom, but I know the reference.
1: I watched Blossom and hated
0: Blossom so passionately that I I had to stop watching it. But uh, Mirror, Mirror definitely has the vibe of that era of... uh, Early 90s teen TV?
1: Yeah, it's like a cross between early 90s teen coming-of-age drama and direct-to-video horror sequels.
0: But it's odd in the sense that it is entirely directed at women. Um, it's written by a, uh, by women. It's directed by a woman. It features almost an entirely all-woman cast. So when you think of direct-to-video horror in that era, it's distinct in how it was marketing itself.
1: Which is very strange. I mean, also, it's not really direct-to-video. Like, it had a brief theatrical release, but if you watch it, it fits in with all of those direct-to-video
0: things but that I are was just... who's going to watch a movie in theaters called Mirror, Mirror? No teenage boys, i tell you that. I mean, certainly no one saw that Alexand- Alexandra Aja, how do you say his name? The guy who did High Tension when he did that movie, yes. Mirror's?
1: Yeah. Because it was terrible.
0: Well. <laughs> Sorry, I actually do kind of like high tension.
1: I despise high tension. Uh ex- aside, aside from the scene where the serial killer is giving himself a blowjob with, with a decapitated head. head yeah.
0: Yes. <laughs> no, but uh, the movie Mirror Mirror is definitely not like that at all. No, it's it the has, opposite. Um, if not a direct-to-video vibe, it definitely has like a low, f- I don't want to say low-fi vibe because it's set in... It's set in Los Angeles, or like it's the rural part of Los Angeles, because our hero, well, our so, lead, whatever we might call her, is from Los Angeles. She moved away to the suburbs. Or yeah, rural I think area.
1: I think it's that they moved somewhere in the Midwest, but it has kind of the same general introductory plot that. Hear me out here. That Buffy the Vampire Slayer has, where.
0: Go with this i'm
1: curious she is sort of a troubled teenager and her parents get divorced and so she is forced to relocate from la to this like tiny small town and that is basically the story of megan uh, you know she's not a vampire slayer but she does come to possess a supernatural power so it's that same sort of like troubled teen girl thing that the craft would become so like is the most popular in that genre. And Megan in mirror mirror is basically the same character as Nancy from the craft. She just isn't for Balk, who I would like to marry despite before her crazy we eyes. Get into
0: the plot. We need to bring up one thing and that is the name of the actress who plays Megan in the theme of our, ep- like the episodes we've had so far. So the first episode Featured the movie goth and the lead actress's name was phoebe dollar what's the lead actress's name in this movie it's rainbow harvest which greatest hippie name or like the greatest name of a child of hippies you could ever have
1: i mean it i still so phoebe dollar is definitely a made-up name whereas rainbow smith sure yeah i think so i'm joking Whereas, I almost just said Rainbow Smith, who is Rainbow another... Harvest. Well, Rainbow Smith is a wonderful character actress who appeared in a couple things before, unfortunately, I think, succumbing to sort of a difficult life and fading out of movies. But you should definitely check out Rainbow Smith, who is in things like uh, Lamora, which we'll talk about at some point. But Rainbow
0: Harvest... Who you should also <laughs> check out in this movie.
1: Yes, but... It makes me crazy because her character is basically like a bargain basement Lydia Dietz. Like, she looks (laughs) so much like Winona Ryder.
0: Have you ever seen the movie, uh, it's a TV movie, Earth Angel? No. It came out after this, and it has that like retro 50s vibe that was really hot in the 70s through the 80s in the same way that like everyone wants to imitate the 80s today, a la Stranger Things. Um, If you think Rainbow Harvest looks like um, Winona Ryder in Mirror, Mirror, you need to see uh, Earth Angel because she looks even more like her. Without That's like terrifying. obviously the Lydia Dietz makeup in a more normal setting, but.
1: In like a Heather's kind of Winona Ryder setting. Yeah. Yeah. So oh. she
0: was someone who, this was like her big break, oddly enough, mirror, mirror. And I feel bad to say that because she's not a bad actress in this movie. She doesn't well, have a lot to work with, is part of the problem. She's
1: not a particularly good actress, but before we move too far away from Phoebe Dollar. We almost (laughs) forgot to talk about the rules. So,
0: Oh, right. The rules. What are they, Sam?
1: So I'm not even going to explain why we have these rules. You'll have to go back and listen to episode one, which talks all about where they came from, which is where these rules are from. But so rule number one is embrace the darkness, which I think Megan in this movie definitely embraces the darkness and we'll explain why. And rule number two. Uh, Kill your fear. There is some killing going on. It's I don't know oddly about tame, but... yes. Aside from there's there's the best that garbage disposal people, scene but... ever.
0: Uh, I <laughs> would say that goes to the Blob, the remake,
1: the Blob or Elvira. True. Um, and then the third rule is live for death,
0: which I don't think applies to this movie. Maybe it depends on who we're talking about. Again, like Near Dark, our last episode it depends on who you're talking about in this movie. Mirror, Mirror begins with our. We can't really call her a heroine. Uh, She's also not really an anti-hero because she doesn't have much of a personality. She's just a thing that exists on the screen and wears a leather jacket and black eyeliner. And I'm referring to Rainbow Harvest, our lead named Megan.
1: Which is really frustrating because I think she, like I said, I feel like she's sort of a trial run for Nancy's character in The Craft. But Nancy is a sort of stereotypical, charismatic antagonist who you like, even though you realize they're... Or you're drawn to them, even though you realize they're all sorts of fucked up and crazy. But this movie tries to introduce Megan as this sort of sad bastard, sympathetic protagonist. Like It basically makes her out to be Carrie White in the beginning of the movie, where she's bullied and has this hard time. Her dad just died. Her mom, who's played by Karen Black in an amazing role with ninety different fucking wigs.
0: <laughs> so the thing about this movie is that there are a lot of like people you will recognize, whether you know them or not, because it's full of character actors. There's Karen Black. There's William Sanderson who pops up later, and my favorite is the teacher Stephen uh, Tabalowski.
1: Oh my god, from Groundhog Day.
0: Yes, Ned. Yeah, he's
1: so good. But also, don't forget Yvonne De Carlo, oh, uh, yep. L- Lily Munster, who shows up. I can't tell if she's supposed to be a real estate agent or an antique dealer or a
0: combination of the two.
1: I thought she was an
0: antique dealer who just happened to be up, in the house somehow yes. found out about the titular mirror. So the movie yes. title Mirror Mirror is referring to, as you would guess, an evil mirror. I think this would actually make the movie interesting if you put it on a double bill with Deathbed because I love Deathbed. Have, like, the weirdly romantic angle where in an. In, inanimate object i can't say that word inanimate <laughs> where that um where you have an object that's in love with a human being because it has a spirit of something in it whether it's a dead poet or a Aubrey Beardsley demon. represent uh, in this case it's a demon a demon is in the mirror and wants to have sex with young girls well or to steal their souls. Yeah, something. It's, it, some, it, something like part
1: that. of the problem with this movie is that it's super unclear what the hell the mirror does want. But I, my argument, and I love Deathbed. It's one of my probably favorite movies of all time. You and Patton Oswalt. I fucking love Deathbed. Um, I think this would make a perfect double feature with Amityville: A New Generation, which was made three years after this, but is also about a possessed mirror.
0: The only Amityville sequel I will fuck with is the second one because of all of the weird shit happening in that movie.
1: Uh, like the incest subplot, which is my personal favorite.
0: Please don't call out my kinks.
1: <laughs> We're going to have to talk about Amityville 2 at some point. I feel like it could really a goth movie. He listens to music
0: on his headphones and then murders his family. So I feel like you could make a loose I'm pretty case. pretty sure like <laughs> lots of people did that in the 80s. I'm pretty sure the Menendez brothers in the early 90s were doing that. Okay, they definitely weren't goth. Fair point. But he's super tormented. Uh, I suppose. I mean, in the sense that Ronald DeFeo was, you know, tormented in real life. True. But so hear me out for a second. So I
1: am something of a masochist. And at one point.
0: Surprise, surprise. (laughs) Shut up. Mirror, mirror. (laughs) Um,
1: At one point, I made myself watch all the Amityville movies. I'm still not really sure why, but this movie feels very much like one of those, and if you haven't seen those movies, there are a whole bunch of them at this point, but beyond Amityville 2 and Amityville 3, all the 90s sequels, the general plot is that someone took an object from the original Amityville house and either stole it or bought it at an antique sale, and the object is possessed. Like, there's... Uh, it's About Time, which is uh all about this fucking grandfather clock. There's one about a haunted dollhouse, which is so batshit crazy, but the one about the mirror features what is kind of like a grown-up version of Megan. She's this really weird like photographer artist lady and so they would make a good double feature if you wanted to spend an evening fucking brutally punishing yourself with haunted mirrors
0: that's one of the things that i find interesting about this movie megan is uh, very explicitly a goth character but she has none of the things about her that you would think of as a goth she isn't an artist the character in this movie who is is the person you would least expect it from She doesn't write. She doesn't have any interests at all. She is just literally like this void of charisma. And that's not the fault of the actress. It's just the way the character is written. So when we first meet her, she shows up in high school and literally the first thing we see her do is trip into a skeleton, (laughs) which is like one of the weirdest but like most funny ways you could make a goth character embarrass themselves in front of like a group of people.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the things that really frustrates me about this movie is I would be fine with them having a kind of quiet, shy, goth character turn into this sort of telekinetic, possessed mirror rage beast, but they don't give her enough motivation. Like, the shit that happens to Carrie is pretty horrible. Like, they throw tampons at her, they go out of their way to humiliate her, and of course, there's the whole thing with the pig's blood. But all the stuff that happens to Megan is like run-of-the-mill teenage bullying with the fucking best bullying scene in any movie where the way they decide to bully her is they all dress
0: goth. Okay, so we jumped a little... (laughs) far into the movie but that is one of my favorite scenes because they're trying to dress goth but it looks like they're all extras from like a vixen music video or oh something. it's or they look like, like they stepped out of a hair <laughs> metal video is really what it is they do or like they're
1: extras in like the club scene in fright night or something it's just totally.
0: <laughs> it's not really goth it's just everyone's weird, wearing black dressing funny yes yeah.
1: and i don't know why you would think that would be bullying like what? How is that supposed to make her feel bad? Everyone's goth for the day. In
0: any other movie, that's the scene where everyone like embraces her. <laughs> but in this movie, this is where they're mocking her, and some for some reason, she hates it. And then the uh, teacher, uh, Ned from Groundhog Day, sees them all, and he's like, "I really am disappointed in all of you. You're which all a really, bunch of freaks." <laughs> which really like helps Megan if you think about it. Yeah, it it doesn't make any sense. But as the movie begins, uh, she falls into the skeleton and runs off a mess and who runs off to save her so this is the other thing about
1: the movie that bugs me yes the the popular so this movie has two popular girls there's the mean popular girl who is basically the main heather from heathers except she has giant boobs and the movie makes constant jokes about how the reason she's the most popular is because of her tits and she makes jokes about it
0: too which is the best part which is weird in a movie like the movie that you would think they were trying to make for this, it doesn't really make sense that that's like the thing that we're supposed to laugh at about her that she has no brain. She literally just gets by on like the size of her boobs.
1: It's breathtaking, but does this movie pass the Bechtel test? Yes, I think <laughs> so. <down> <laughs> well, because the main motivation. It's sort of, it's like there are two plots going on at once. There's Megan's story about how the mirror is slowly turning her more confident but evil. Right. And then the sort of high school plot is that the two popular girls, the mean one with the giant tits and <laughs> the nice one whose name is Nikki, they're both trying to become class president.
0: And so that's like what drives things forward. But well, it just it's an oddly regressive way of portraying the villain in a movie like this where I'm thinking like, What is the purpose of showing that her one defining trait is her tits? Well, she's supposed to be terrible, which is... She is terrible, but in different ways. And I'm mostly referring to her performance, which I, I feel bad calling it out. But like none of the performances in this movie are particularly good. No, but so Nikki,
1: this enrages me so much. Nikki, who is the nice girl immediately reaches out to Megan and becomes her friend and they start spending all this time together for anyone listening to this, who was a goth girl in high school, as I was, you're not friends with the popular girl, not because she won't be friends with you, but because there's this natural, like inborn animosity. Like if you wanted to be some dumb blonde bitch, you would.
0: (laughs) Well, so one of the things I found funny too about uh, Nikki's character is that um, she's kind of perfect in every way. She's the character who is the artist. She's into sculpture and she tries to encourage Megan as the movie goes along to find something that interests her other than trying to hit on everyone's boyfriend.
1: Megan, please find a personality and stop trying to screw everyone's boyfriends. Yes. But basically. that also brings
0: us to the evil shirtless boyfriend in the tennis scene, <laughs> who is actually the lead in another 80s horror movie, The Brain, a Canadian film.
1: Yes. I love stars, The Brain. Um, Dr. Hill from reanimator he sure does he did not have enough roles dr hill aka john carrey which is who he looks exactly (laughs) like (laughs) does he eat swiss cheese on his cheesesteaks that's the question (laughs) uh dr hill would never (laughs)
0: uh yeah so the boyfriend in this movie he's probably the worst performance of everybody because he's just confused in every scene
1: oh well so we should point out for a second that that his eyebrows are very waxed his eyebrows are super waxed which as someone who's sort of obsessed with my own eyebrows and other people's eyebrows it bothers me like no, i can't pops. i like, can't it's, stand it's the it. one
0: defining trait of his character in that movie you look at him and you're like dude what are you doing <laughs> his girlfriend is to blame but she's to blame for a lot of things in this movie so
1: there are really only three main male characters if you don't count the teacher and they're all boyfriends and they're all really submissive like this is a movie that could only have been written by women <laughs> and it's so it's written we'll talk about this more a little bit later mirror, but mirror
0: aka cuck the movie yes
1: oh my god they're such bitches like <laughs> the popular girl the main popular girl her her boyfriend is a dick bag who
0: i recognize from things but when i looked him up apparently was never in actually like anything meaningful
1: i think he's in like the young and the restless and days of our lives and stuff yeah. like that but nikki's boyfriend he's so nice to her and it it might sound horrible when this is coming out of my mouth because, you know, like, I had a very nice boyfriend when I was in high school,
0: but he's too nice to her. I like, mean, he's a teenage boy. He's not being as shitty as teenage boys are. And no, as someone, speaking as someone who was a teenage boy, like, the types of things he says in the movie, he's far too nice, even when he's... He's like a lesbian in disguise. Even when he's trying to push Megan away at various scenes, like... Most teenage boys would say much more, like, awful things to her, probably.
1: Well, and I feel like all those sort of mainstream teen comedies and teen dramas, especially the 80s movies, they are all pretty good at kind of casting these male characters as being very sexually motivated. And the male characters here, like aside from the asshole boyfriend well, it's he's not like really
0: an asshole though he's actually kind of nice y- That's yes the which
1: is why this is so hard to describe all of the male
0: characters in this movie are oddly like nice and supportive they're and so all, supportive it's, and it's so weird all of the women who are evil in a weird way and you're gonna hate this reference but it reminds me a lot of neon demon the nick Reffin movie that came out a few years ago where like you think all of the male characters are sleazebags but if you actually look at the way they interact with women in that movie They're not like you have the um, shitty boyfriend or like the shitty younger guy who uh, meets the lead. It's Dakota Fanning, right? Yeah. And then you have Keanu Reeves, who is oddly protective of her. And like all of the male characters in that movie are actually like kind of protective of the women in that movie in a weird sort of way. Whereas, like you see a similar vibe here.
1: Yeah, Mirror Mirror is definitely the kind of movie where you watch and you think, like, why is my boyfriend not like that? And then you think, oh, wait, thank God. (laughs) Because they have no personalities. They're just, they exist on screen just to be nice to their girlfriends. But,
0: I mean, also, um, I'm just going to keep calling him evil shirtless boyfriend because that's how he was introduced, even though he isn't evil, and eventually he does put on a shirt. (laughs) Uh, Eventually. He doesn't, like, his attraction, he eventually becomes attracted to Megan, and we don't understand why beyond the fact that maybe he thinks she's weird and into some weird shit well my interpretation of that is so i don't think we've really
1: explained this there isn't really a lot to explain that's the problem well it's it's so vague and confusing so okay the the thing we didn't talk about is the prologue so basically in the very beginning of the movie you see you you learn that the mirror is haunted or possessed because there are these two sisters and one sister sacrifices the other sister and murders her for and uh, for for reasons we never find out and Just so reasons. it's like you don't know what the mirror's deal is like is the mirror haunted by the dead sister is the mirror possessed by demons which at one point ivan de carlos antique dealer character finds this book that says that just
0: an occult book nothing particularly it's just like witches that it's just talking about witches pretty much it doesn't you don't get a sense that like why you don't understand why he's ever really attracted to megan oh it just kind of like for some reason it's just like it's accurately forecasting every hardcore bro who decided he wanted to have a goth gf one day because he wears a varsity jacket and he sees a girl dressed in black
1: which is a real thing that happens. No, that's why I said it's, that. It is very creepy if you're ever on... Speaking as a person who's been on the receiving end of that like normal bro attention, it's like, what is happening right now?
0: They're just looking for, in their like weird, disgusting terminology, a coat rack.
1: It also... My, so my... And this might be reaching, but my interpretation is sort of the more Megan interacts with the mirror the more power the mirror has and the more power she has so Sweater's my there, yeah, yeah m- my impression is basically basically that like she becomes more confident sexier more charismatic and so he has a crush on her just because of the
0: mirror's power but like their idea of making her sexier is just one day <laughs> she shows up in a black dress <laughs> at a party yeah. and everyone's like oh my god Megan you're so hot you don't look anything different from what you did before. No,
1: it's basically like dress. she was wearing sort of frumpier goth clothes, if that. Like she's, she's wearing, wearing the same normal... stuff but with a
0: leather jacket on top.
1: Yeah, it's like she takes her jacket off and her dress is a little bit backless and all of a sudden she's
0: supposed to be radically diff- different. She takes her jacket off and lets her hair down and suddenly she's, you know, the hottest woman in the room.
1: Yeah, it makes no sense. Oh, another thing that makes no sense... There are scenes in the movie where she actively participates in gym class and no fucking goth girl in existence participated in gym class, let me tell you. Unless you're forced.
0: To be fair, the opening tennis scene, she doesn't really do a whole lot. They just sit there while she stares at evil shirtless boyfriend and, you know, mopes (laughs) over him. I I don't know the character's name and that's all he's ever going to be to me.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this this movie is... uh, Why, why'd we do this? I actually, I liked this movie because it has weird things going for it that make no sense.
0: I mean, so I remember watching this years ago when I was going through my initial attempt at writing a column for CinePunks. Hey, Liam and Josh, um, about goth movies. And this was one I found and I watched it. I had never heard of it and I was kind of, eh, you know, it's not, it's not bad. It's not good. It's just kind of there watching it again. I noticed some of the weirder quirks it has. Like, I didn't really pick up on the Heathers vibe initially, but it is obviously more there now as I watch it again and as I've seen Heathers, like, a hundred times. I mean, Heathers is amazing, but... Unless you're, like, a 26-year-old writer for some fucking culture site. Which,
1: it still baffles me that people are offended by Heathers.
0: (laughs) It has some of the best lines of any movie ever. Like I love my dead gay son. <laughs> and fuck me gently with the chainsaw, Heather. Yeah, but it it certainly <laughs> goes for like the Heather's vibe, and it doesn't totally succeed because one of the things that Heather's does is it builds up sympathy for certain characters, like the uh, young woman who throws herself in front of the truck. You just feel horrible for her because the shit she has to endure in the movie. Is terrible.
1: Yeah, and Megan doesn't have to endure anything like that here. And it's almost like one of the main points of Heather's is to show you that all of these teenagers are fucking terrible. And
0: teenagers are terrible. Yes,
1: teenagers are terrible. Slash humans are terrible, and especially teenagers. You can make a choice to not be terrible, which is what Veronica
0: ultimately does. If only we could make a choice to not be teenagers.
1: God, I wish I could have fast-forwarded through that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Wouldn't we all have, yes. And
1: some people talk about high school and early college like it's the best
0: time of their life. Because they're, they they were the popular people. They were Nikki or they were the head mean girl in this movie. Yeah, I guess that's accurate. But one of the other things that gets me about this movie that like... So when you're watching a horror movie and you're watching a horror movie that's supposed to be kind of like a satire or a comedy generally the deaths cohere to like the law of the ironic horror movie death. This doesn't really do that or it like makes vague attempts at it that don't make sense. So eventually evil shirtless boyfriend ends up (laughs) with uh, Megan alone in a bedroom and she does her best to, you know, try and use her womanly wiles to get him her mirror wiles. Well, so yeah. And for some reason, you know, he's actually surprisingly a nice guy. And when I say nice guy, I don't mean nice guy. I mean, he's, he's actually. He's just not like a good an person.
1: incel. He's yeah. a genuinely good person. So
0: he tries, he doesn't want to sleep with her because he realizes on some level it's wrong and there's something off about what's happening.
1: Which no teenage boy would do ever. I'm sorry, but that's not realistic. Like, yes. she clearly isn't drunk or anything.
0: She just. But then his death scene is him literally getting his head pulled into the mirror and pulled off. And. My thinking when I'm watching it is like, is this, like, is he getting head? Is that the joke? I think that's supposed to be the joke, but this is so poorly, like, structured and shot that you're not sure.
1: Well, this is where the movie starts to fall apart is that it makes you feel sympathy for the wrong characters. And ideally, you would be feeling more and more sympathy for Megan as the movie goes along, but she just becomes. She's almost like the two characters in the craft, the antagonist and the protagonist combined. Robin Tunney and Faruza Balk? Yeah, because in the beginning, you feel really bad for Robin Tunney's character. And yeah. it's like her mom died, and she tried to kill herself. And so they moved to, again, another teenage girl moving to a new town. Yeah. But by the end, she clearly is the protagonist and has to defeat Nancy, who's fucking crazy. But here it's like it's like there's no version of Robin Tony's character. There's just so Nancy. I actually think Nancy. this is
0: probably written by like popular people in high school who felt bad for picking on the weird girl, and maybe that's what this is. It's wish fulfillment. They were all Nikki. I, I wonder. It's true. If you are the writer or director of this movie, we are not attacking you. Well, and
1: we should actually talk about that for a second because I know you
0: did want to talk about the director because she holds a special place in your heart. She does, which is really embarrassing. Why it's... is this?
1: <laughs> so, so the director is named uh, Marina Sagenti, and basically, in addition to directing this movie, she made this movie. So, I mean, it will surprise no one listening to this to hear that I was a weird kid and I liked the sort of weird, bad, made-for-TV horror movies I saw when I was like eight or nine.
0: You were a weird kid? What are you talking about? I was Sam. I was popular. Sam Sam being weird, what? (laughs) Uh, You're a weird adult. You were a weird kid. Uh, Yeah, okay.
1: I think I was probably weirder as a kid, to be fair. We're Um, all
0: weirder as kids because we don't understand the world, so we just do whatever the fuck makes sense to us.
1: Exactly. And one of the things I did was watch really bad made-for-TV horror movies and loved them, especially ones that were like occult dramas and she made this movie called child of darkness, child of light a year later in 1991. That's sort of like a really bad ripoff of, it's kind of like the omen meets the seventh sign that Demi Moore movie, which came out in like the late eighties.
0: Oh, That's a bad
1: one. Yeah, it's terrible, but it's, I tried. So as, as like an eight year old, I loved child of darkness, child of light, and it would be on TV all the time. Why did you love it? I don't know. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> I, just, I tried to rewatch it last week and was
0: like, what? <laughs> what? To be fair, there are a lot of bad TV movies, just like there are a lot of good ones. Not all of them hold up, unfortunately. Yeah. So wh- whoever
1: you are listening to this, please don't watch Child of Darkness, Child of Light. Oh no! Do it. <laughs> do uh, it and binge
0: it with like a good one after that, like Don't Sleep or Bad Ronald.
1: Uh, yeah. But the the weird thing is the movie was co-written by Sargenti and by these two sisters. Um You're talking Mirror Mirror, now. yeah. I'm talking about Mirror we're we're back to Mirror Mirror, which I, I think is so strange. Like it just seems Isn't like the Soska sisters. Don't make me burn my own house down just, <laughs> just so that you can die in the process. But they wrote this series that was sort of like A later version of Goosebumps called the Dead Time Stories. I read maybe one or two of them, but it was like at that point it
0: was below my reading level. So it was boring. I'm familiar with the movie Dead Time Stories, but not the books. And I don't know if there's a connection between them.
1: Yeah, I don't think there is a connection between them. I want to say that maybe like Nickelodeon or somebody started a TV series based on them. But they started in the 90s and I think continued into the 2000s. Interesting. so it was like around the time i stopped reading goosebumps they came out
0: it so they did this movie and they did that did they do anything else of note not that i know of um it just is I'm not surprised a... by that based on this movie and i hate to say that again i don't like you know saying bad things it's just this movie a lot of it doesn't make sense
1: no, it's interesting ideas kind of thrown together, but they really needed a script doctor to come in and kind of or
0: like someone uh, to edit the movie so that like some of it made sense. Yeah, with someone to really punch up the movie in a way because like I said, the kills don't really work with the law of ironic horror movie deaths. They're also not particularly like gory or nothing there that's like interesting about them. So like even when they do stuff they're in, they're in the... But um, the flies. Well, I was thinking of the cafeteria when the mean girl, the head mean girl gets coke nose. Oh, yeah. So one of the first things we see Megan do to display her new powers is they're in the cafeteria. And we can just hear laughter and laughter. And they know what they're laughing about. Uh, Megan knows what the laughing is about. It's everyone else laughing at her. And the evil shirtless boyfriend is like, hey, you should stop it because he's actually a good guy. But the mean girl is not a good person. So she just keeps laughing. So Megan makes blood start just gushing out of her nose. Like she just did the largest mountain of cocaine you have ever seen.
1: Well, and that's the sort of fucked up thing about this movie is in Carrie, when she gets revenge, there is this kind of sense of catharsis. Like her revenge is justified because everything that's happened to her is so awful
0: here. It's just arbitrary
1: here. It just makes her seem like a fucking petty bitch. Like, I mean, nothing, to be nothing
0: terrible, terrible happens to her. Like you said, it's just kind of high school bullying, people making fun of you, people just putting you down rather than, you know, doing genuinely terrible things. And it's not to say, like, making fun of someone is good or doesn't justify some kind of comeuppance, but.
1: Yeah, but she has the mean girl die by being burned to death in the school shower.
0: Which is a cool scene, if only for the music, which reminded me of, like, a coil song.
1: Yes, which. Actually, we should talk about that. So, the, talk about what? Uh, the music. So,
0: oh, the music's actually the most interesting part of the movie.
1: It is, which is weird. So, the guy who did so, the there are a couple of these movies, and they all kind of we're, we're only really going to talk about the second one after this, but they weave together in interesting ways. So, the guy who did the music for this, his name is Jimmy Lifton, and he got his start as a musician, like that is the majority of his career. He also did sound production on television. Like he worked on SpongeBob, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Real Housewives. Like he did all kinds of shit, but this was, uh, Mirror Mirror was his first movie as a producer and he took over the sequel and directed, produced, wrote it and did the score. And I cannot wait for us to talk about the second one, but (laughs) He also produced the third one, which in a weird twist of fate was directed by two women. And the fourth one was directed by another woman who is married to Jimmy Lifton. So I Jimmy feel like Lipton's
0: very progressive. There you go.
1: Well, so I'm joking. <laughs> no, people are I feel like people are going to hate me for what I'm about to say, but they hate you for everything, Sam. That's true. So we'll add this. Have a,
0: you have a, you, you are a woman and you have an opinion. They are definitely going to hate you because of that.
1: Well, I mean, other women probably are going to hate this particular opinion. Oh, I thought you were just
0: talking about the people who normally hate you, the incest. Oh, no, no. Um,
1: So I feel like there's this big push, especially during Women in Horror Month, to talk about genre films directed by women as if oh they're sort of yeah here we go my my least favorite
0: subject women i am in actually this is my official resignation from this podcast <laughs> i am now branching off and doing a different <laughs> podcast entirely <laughs> shut <laughs> up everything she says i do not endorse <laughs> except when i do
1: well so i feel like there are a lot of things that frustrate me about women in horror month and i'm not going to go on that rant right now the fact that we
0: have to you know, deal with it. Yeah. Resign it's them into just one month. Instead yeah. Of it's fucking stupid. Promoting them 12 months a year.
1: Well, and the thing that's especially frustrating is I feel like a lot of those people, both male and female uh, editors and writers and podcasters who push women in horror month, talk about the same fucking 10 movies. And like, how many times can we hear
0: about it just, it's like, I think that's just horror editorial In general, everything since the early 2000s has been 70s and 80s horror. We're getting a little more 90s horror because we're far enough away. But, you know, everyone writes about the Halloween movies. Everyone writes about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Everyone writes about the same goddamn movies all the time. Sure. Because that's all people can reference or think about or watch.
1: Well, but I feel like with movies like Slimmer Party Massacre and that series, people will write about them because they're all directed by women, the whole series. Right. And people will try to find these kind of forced spins on it. Like just because a woman directed it, it must have some feminist angle and it must be, right. it must be privileged in some way or it must be important. And these fucking mirror mirror movies, while I think it's interesting that almost the whole series is directed by or written by women, I feel like this, proves my point that like just because it's directed by woman doesn't mean some sort of magical fairy vagina dust has been sprinkled on it like (laughs) quality
0: yeah women can make bad movies too that that's one of my things when i definitely see characterizations of various groups of people or like women especially in movies if you can't allow them to have the full range of emotion and be terrible characters be villains um, display human character traits and flaws, you can't allow them to actually be real people. And frequently, when people do things like that, when they want to promote... I love the Slumber Party Massacre movies, oh, especially so the I. first one. But when you consistently just write about the same movies over and over and over again... And the same again, angle. The same angle. You're not really... You're not giving other movies a chance to be discovered or it just becomes this... I don't know. You're you're just not allowing things to. I kind of lost my train of thought there, but no,
1: I am following you. I I feel like it takes something and puts it in a box
0: and just keep make,
1: making the box smaller and smaller and more and more restrictive. Yeah.
0: So I definitely get what you're saying with that, but the That's, other. So the, again, this movie. I don't want to say it's bad. Again, it's interesting. I don't stress that there are interesting things about it, and like some of the directorial decisions. Jimmy Lifton's music, for example, which goes all over the place. Uh, I mentioned that the death scene for the head female evil villain, cheerleader, whatever she is, reminded me of Coil, but there's other music in here that reminded me of Angelo Badalamenti from uh, Twin Peaks. Yeah, Games, there's some good stuff in here. Which came out it, it, literally 1990, same yeah. year. And there's other parts where I, I don't know if it was intentional, but it reminded me of movies like Extra or Liquid Sky, where it's I like could see it's that. a style of... Um, keyboard or whatever it is I don't know but it just the music was the most interesting thing in this movie for me
1: I'm pretty sure there are a lot of times where so one of my great pleasures in life is watching movies with subtitles on and like closed caption titles on because there's something wrong with me I, I don't know but for <laughs> like half of this movie the closed caption titles it was like eerie keyboard and ominous synth music heavy <laughs> heavy sound whooshing or something. <laughs> yep yeah, so good I love it so much but my favorite thing about this movie is the random kind of aimless scenes of Rainbow Harvest making out with herself in the mirror. Like that's really the sole
0: reason for this movie existing. So one of like one of the notes that keeps recurring when I was watching this was mirror fucking, mirror fucking, mirror fucking <laughs> because there's a lot of mirror fucking. It's just a girl kissing a mirror or licking blood off a mirror, which also shows Even up in better. the sequels. That that's like the one recurring thing that's what these movies are about, is what actors. we're saying. Yeah, it's and what's about mirror more,
1: What's more goth than putting on a shit ton of eyeliner and licking blood off a mirror? I mean, I can't think of
0: much. That might be the most goth image in this movie.
1: Uh, Yeah, it is. Aside from when she falls into the skeleton. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't believe that's something that they actually did.
1: And the... Well, this isn't goth at all, but I really just love how over the top and ridiculous karen black is and she does have a great scene that involves her hand going into a garbage disposal A uh, spoiler alert i
0: guess <laughs> after I, I think the fact spoiled a lot to be honest uh yeah karen black and william sanderson steal this movie uh, william sanderson plays the owner of a pet cemetery because very early in this movie so the one thing that really pisses me off about this movie is it's anti-pupper a dog it dies is. in the beginning and our goth character who any goth girl I've ever known loves animals.
1: Yeah, I'm sitting about ten feet from my old sleeping dog. Any yeah, any goth
0: girl I know loves animals. Whereas uh, Megan, because humans is just are like, terrible, I don't care. And I'm just like I. That's where that's where she lost me. Yeah, that's where I knew Pretty she was go evil. She sees a dead dog and she's like, no big deal. Yeah, no fuck big deal. that dog. So William Sanderson is a pet cemetery owner who somehow works his way into Karen Black's pants.
1: Or. Yeah, well, she's desperate and
0: lonely, and he's... He's there. William Sanderson, (laughs) I... So, Karen Black and William Sanderson are definitely, like, having fun in this movie playing weirdos.
1: Well, and probably the most enjoyable scene in the movie is it's one of... (laughs) she
0: dies. Well, no. Not because she dies, but because of, like, she's entertaining.
1: Well, it's one of, yes, for sure her death, but also she invites William Sanderson's character over for dinner.
0: Oh, yes. And
1: it's one of the earliest instances of Megan using the mirror's evil powers. And the way that, and this is like straight out of a fucking Amityville sequel, the way that she decides to torment him is she just has a bunch of flies land on his chicken during dinner, and it is the most ridiculous scene. (laughs) It's so much fun
0: yeah i don't really understand where they were going with a lot of things like that because it's not nope. really scary but it's also not funny either
1: yeah but all the amityville movie, all of the amityville movies i think maybe aside from the new ones have these sort of inexplicable scenes of
0: bugs attacking people for or just swarming bugs can be scary in certain cir- circumstances and i'm thinking of one movie in specific fulci
1: <gasps> what, what is that what is that what is it Oh,
0: no, not the bees! Not the bees! Ah! Oh, my eyes! Eyes! Ah!
1: Ah! Hey, I love the bees. I also love Swarm.
0: No, I'm talking about Nick Cage in the Wicker Man remake.
1: Oh, which I still haven't seen.
0: Somehow. <laughs> There is literally a movie called The Bees, though. It is a gem of anti-cinema. You have Nick Cage in one movie and Neil Abute directing something else entirely. (laughs) I think it's it's a cinematic achievement. Well,
1: that's kind of like Karen Black's character here. It's like she's in a different movie.
0: That's on another level.
1: Oh, yes, sure. Well, it's Nicolas Cage.
0: So, yeah, Karen Black is almost always in another movie, no matter what movie she's in. (laughs) That's very true. Here it's, here it's noticeable because, like, she and William Sanderson are legitimately the only in their people own movie. Who, who <laughs> the only people in this movie who can act and are in their own separate movie? A world with a lot of wigs. <laughs> and uh, yeah, William Sanderson has a beard and a wig, and it's quite creepy. Yeah, which I, I feel like does, I don't think he dies in this movie, right? We don't see him die, do mm-hmm. we? I must have blacked it out
1: because I don't want William Sanderson to
0: die. No, he definitely he definitely dies in. A Mirror Mirror movie, but not this one.
1: Uh, yeah, which is the most batshit thing. So I feel like this is a pretty
0: good transition point. There's really no reason to talk about the ending. It's unremarkable. It's a wraparound to the beginning.
1: Oh, well, the, there's one, in, I guess... Spoiler it, <laughs> in case you were going to watch it. If you were going to watch this movie... the Actually, no, I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to loosely describe it. What? The end of this movie I find fascinating because it does this thing... Where the movie ends, and a character basically says to the mirror, which the mirror has been destroyed, vanquished, and this character says to the mirror, like, I don't want things to end that way. I want them to go back. And the mirror's like, sold. Got it. It's like
0: monkey's paw, in a way. Sort of, but at the end... In a dumb way.
1: Yeah, in like the opposite of the monkey's paw way, where you're like, wait, what? What's happening? Where are we
0: now? You're still being punished (laughs) for your wish. It's just... You're totally it does being... really make sense. Yeah, so there's also something that carries over into the sequels.
1: Yeah, and I think the general theme is sort of the mirror. Don't fuck mirrors. Well, that's debatable, but the, <laughs> the the mirror Okay. The mirror and I don't think it's supposed to be the same mirror in every movie, but Oh, I think it is. Okay. Well, so the mirror entices you to wish for things but then gives you sort of a perversion of your wish or makes you like mad with mirror wishing power. I
0: mean, I feel like, oh, was it in the credits? It, say, it says that it was loosely based on something. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I forget what it was because again, <laughs> I was kind of like, I had coke nose like the main mean girl. My brain was just seeping out of my nose in this case.
1: Yeah, that definitely happened to me. But even moving- more
0: so- for mirror mirror two <laughs> i was gonna say moving on to mirror mirror two which has probably the best opening 10 minutes of any weirdo fucking direct-to-video movie you will ever experience because not a goddamn second of it makes sense
1: i i almost like don't even know if we can
0: explain it it just uh... i'm gonna read my opening notes from mirror mirror two fucking amazing opening crazy women blind nuns ren fair music goth band in orphanage, question mark, goth band leader dressed like Anthony Kietis in Point Break. Like those were my first three notes. That That's actually
1: pretty accurate.
0: But that doesn't <laughs> fully like describe the complete insanity because they begin in an orphanage where... But it's like there are only two kids in the orphanage. Because like the where are the are out, other kids? They're, they're on a day trip or something while the goth band, the orphanage that hires a goth band to play for them and the goth band does it because oh and the orphanage is run by nuns by nuns so the nuns hire a goth band to perform and then the goth band two of the members begin just randomly deciding to attack a six or seven year old child and start throwing slurs at him okay who i have to
1: say is the worst fucking child like that actor went on to be in things like the cosby show and he had a side role in pete and pete
0: One of my notes was that he's Dewey from Malcolm in the Middle, but like a real version of Dewey. Oh, he is. (laughs) He's the worst. So they begin attacking the small child and his sister. Marley appears. Marley is our hero, an actual hero in this movie. Yes. And she's another sort of attractive teenage girl type. But then they discover the mirror and she decides she wants to keep it for dancing uh yeah the full title of this movie is mirror mirror Two raven dance and like which
1: is the most goth title you could ever (laughs) have aside from the fact that at least 35 percent of the movie is scenes of marley dancing in her room but it's the same like wildly flailing
0: and falling down
1: it's wildly flailing falling down but it's the same sort of like three measures of choreography repeated over and over again to the point where
0: it just made me insane. (laughs) But we're forgetting the best part of the opening where once she discovers the mirror and decides to keep it for dancing, suddenly lightning strikes the mirror, kills everybody in the room, and makes her blind. You know, when you're writing a script, you we have couldn't beats, make this up. you have plot, you have all of these things that you're just building to. This movie is like, no, fuck that. I'm going to electrocute every character I just introduced to you in the first five minutes.
1: Yeah, it's some Mortal Kombat shit.
0: But then Marley wakes up and she's blind, but not really. Which this part makes no, nothing she keeps in screaming. this movie
1: makes any sense. She
0: keeps screaming at people that she's blind, but then she clearly keeps referencing things in her line of sight. And then she randomly sees things, but then she's blind again. And well, and so the main kind of plot to this movie is the
1: that plot. is if if it can be called that is that Marley and her horrible younger brother were recently <laughs> were recently orphaned because their parents died. Their parents are really rich.
0: And her evil older sister, who's at least 30 years old. Well, than she's
1: her. she's her older stepsister. Which gives this like a weird fairy tale component. I suppose. And the fucking lady who plays her stepsister, I love so much. The actress is like, I feel like people wouldn't recognize her name. She's Sally Kellerman, but she plays Hot Lips from M.A.S.H. Oh,
0: really? Yes. (laughs) And she's
1: been in like 150 things. She's just one of those sort of like stately looking blonde women who is attractive, but in kind of a way that makes her blend in. So I think if you saw her, you would go, "Oh, it's that." Even if you're not obsessed with Mash like I am,
0: but I don't think most people are, to be honest. Uh, Mash it's is amazing. It's
1: amazing. Everyone should l- watch it right now. Uh, but so the plot is that she is trying to have Marley declared insane so she can inherit the money. But which, how, what's
0: her plan to do that? Who who does she? Introduce well, this is the best to part. Do that?
1: Is, oh, can we also say that fucking Marley is played by the girl from Mr. Belvedere? Yeah. <laughs> like, that what, also what threw me off. But who is uh, going to declare Marley legally insane? Well, and so this is the actual reason, aside from the flailing raven mirror dancing, the reason you have to watch this movie is because fucking Roddy McDowell <laughs> plays Dr. Lasky, who is... In the, in the first half of the movie, it seems like his character is working with the stepsister and it's all the stepsister's idea, but then you come to believe that like maybe
0: Roddy McDowell is this evil mastermind. Possibly but, because Roddy McDowell has like, he's capable of nuance and shading and things that you wouldn't expect in a movie like this. Oh, and he's but so good in it. He's introduced in like the least Roddy McDowell fashion as like, 60 year old man chasing after teenage girls on the side like yep. he clearly like he's clearly trying to assault the young woman like the lead marley at various points in the movie well which becomes a weird plot point yeah later.
1: well it's also my favorite thing about this movie is that really the the struggle is between marley's desire to not wear any pants and and for Dr. Lasky to like constantly be trying to cover her up with like blankets and clothes and she just doesn't want to wear these fucking clothes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Rodney Well wear... in this movie is something to behold
1: he's amazing but we have to talk about the other uh recognizable actor who's in this and it, it, this
0: <laughs> it, it doesn't make any sense it like actually makes my head hurt to talk about it so in the first film um i'm actually so i'm not talking about the actor you're thinking of but i want to make a through oh, line yes, this yes. a weird connection in the series of films in the first film we have william sanderson in the second film we have william sanderson as a different character also, a character who wants to assault Marley for some reason. Random men, old men, just want to do things to her. But then there's another actor who appears in this movie, who appears in the next movie as well. A man who as just, a different character, as a different character. A man who just kind of mumbles and wanders into scenes aimlessly, which he does today as well in most of the movies he stars in. Yep. Who am I referring to? Fucking Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> if you thought Mark Ruffalo was bad in like modern movies and he has movies he can be good in, but like no, I know no, he doesn't. I know a lot of people don't like him for a very particular reason. You need to watch this movie to fully understand how bad he once was.
1: As much as I don't like Mark Ruffalo, it's not even his fault because the character no. makes <laughs> no sense. So basically, he plays this
0: character named Christian who just appears and In a scene where it's like something right out of the sentinel or like totally you have have blind nuns and doors of blinding light opening up and again like (laughs) so if the first movie didn't really make sense this one makes even less sense but it actually looks kind of cool
1: but it like make aggressively doesn't make sense
0: I think they were focused more on like the cinematography here or like setting up shots because there's like interesting things visually going on whereas you didn't really have that in the first film yeah it's more like it was trying to be plot oriented, it was trying to be a satire. Here they don't care about that at all.
1: Maybe you took something away from this that I didn't, but the only sense that I could make of it is that Christian is the mirror's physical manifestation and they're trying he, to set that up at a certain point, that's for sure. It doesn't it's it makes no sense. But it's so it's basically like He's the romantic interest for Marley and like the male characters in the first movie. Passive. All He's super passive and it seems like his sole reason for existing is to be
0: encouraging and supportive. And to, you know, like want to actually like bang the lead in a way that isn't gross.
1: Yes. It's like he tries to seduce her in sort of like a romantic poet sad boy way. So this is
0: kind of like a uh, trashy pulp novel in a way
1: yeah it it definitely it,
0: I, <laughs> I don't even know what to say anymore <laughs> I will say this movie has so if it even if it isn't as overtly goth as the first movie with a goth lead character in it it has like weird random moments and shout outs one of my favorites um, besides the odd goth band was um, a cat in the movie that is named Pywacket oh yes which is like the most random like shout out that you could have to like bell book and candle yeah like why would you put that in there oh
1: yeah and if you've never seen bell book and candle we definitely will have to talk
0: about that at some point i mean but even beyond that like it's is um considered like it, the name piwacket comes from matthew hopkins and like witch hunting sure. and things like that so i wasn't sure if the the cat was supposed to be like a familiar of the mirror and something like that because it has like, and the Raven. Yeah. Why would you who throw randomly attacks people? Why would you throw these things in there? if It's not intentional, but this movie does things that just obviously make oh, no sense.
1: Speaking of doing things that make no sense and people appearing who make no sense. Fucking Veronica Cartwright plays
0: one of the nuns. Like how did she <laughs> get roped into this? Like it's Veronica Cartwright. This movie includes a lot of, like, again, character actors or, like, actors at the beginning of their career that went on to be, like, famous. And it's one of those things you don't really understand. But it does include... it 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 isn't as overt as the first film. And I think I appreciate it more because they're just like, we need to throw this in because it was in the first film. But more mirror-fucking.
1: Oh, yeah. And it's it's almost like watching herself dance in the mirror gets gets her her hot and so then she has to make out with herself in the mirror it's like why can't you find mark ruffalo
0: and make out with him because she'd rather lick blood off of a
1: mirror Uh, which i mean i can't find any fault with that to be totally honest
0: i think most people would kiss a mirror before they kiss mark mark ruffalo
1: um yeah (laughs) 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 no hard pass Do you have he anything to say about the much. second
0: half of the film? Because for me, literally the movie dies about 45 minutes in.
1: Uh, no, but I do kind of... So Joe Bob wrote a little blurb about this. That about I, this movie? That I need to read. Please yes. go ahead.
0: <laughs> I mean, there there was aardvarking, but like mirror aardvarking.
1: He doesn't actually say anything about the mirror Um He... So... If you've never heard Joe Bob give his like drive-in totals, they're just like these little descriptive phrases. Uh so he says nine dead bodies, multiple blindings, one raven attack, mirror licking, table saw to the face, arm hacking, gratuitous demon that goes by so fast you can blink and miss it, spider foo, which that's one of my favorite scenes. And drive-in Academy Award nominations for Tracy Wells as the bimbo in peril for saying, does
0: God hate me? Am I cursed? And <laughs> my whole life is dancing. He's not wrong. He's and not wrong. To be fair, so the ending of this movie, um, it's different from the first one in that we actually do see the demon in the mirror. They decided to give it up in this one, I guess, because you had to at this point. And it's just a garden variety, like hairy demon guy.
1: I kind of like the demon. I felt like
0: it was a nice touch because
1: there's so many other random bullshit things that don't make any sense. Why not throw a demon in there?
0: But then we get to the end of the film and it's like the first film, but this time we find out that our lead, Tracy Wells, is now going to be the blind nun that we see in the movie trying to like warn everybody about the mirror. It's so fucked up. Again, I don't know why they made this decision. Um, This one ends... Um, with some kind of credit sequence where it calls it like the mirror mirror series of films or something and it's written in a way that makes you think like each film is supposed to be its own little fairy tale
1: well and this one one of the things i liked about it is that it's definitely more surreal if you could use that word and it has more fairy tale elements like
0: yeah like i was saying i think the uh they focused more on like the imagery that they were putting on screen rather than trying to have like a coherent story or satirize things or do anything that would ever make sense they're just focused on like what looks cool and blind nuns look cool
1: yeah i would definitely agree with that it's sort of like the first movie is grounded in the teen coming of age drama genre but this is not grounded in anything it makes it's almost like it it has sort of a touch of Fulci about it, like especially 80s Fulci, where you're just like, what the hell's going on? What's the uh, late 80s uh,
0: nun movie that he did?
1: Uh, Demonia. Demonia, which yeah. Reminds it, me
0: a bit of that, but that one also isn't good and batshit crazy. Yeah, but that one has more gore. Yeah. And less mirror dancing. And more nuns. I mean, raven dance. I guess that's why it's called raven dance. <laughs> there's a raven and there's dancing. I'm Mark Ruffalo. Why? (laughs) 1990 is rough. (laughs) This is probably a good place to transition into the music portion of the podcast. Um, 1990, like our last episode, is an embarrassment of riches because there are too many albums to talk about. So we whittled it down to 10, and I'm going to begin by reading off 10 albums I felt or we felt were representative of the year 1990, the first being obviously Depeche Mode Violator. Hell yeah. Then there's uh, the mission. Had two records released that year: "Carved in the Sand" and "Grains of Sand," which were companion pieces. The mission, I like them.
1: Yeah, I think they're fine. They're I always wanted second to like goth. they're second tier goth, and I feel like Andrew Eldritch knows that they're second tier goth <laughs> and takes like great pleasure in that. And I've always wanted to like the mission more than I actually do.
0: Well, the next one you will love a lot. It's "My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult: Confessions of a Knife," which is so good. Skinny Puppy, Too Dark Park. A, a perfect album. Sisters of Mercy, Vision Thing. Coming off of their big album, but still a good one. Still good, but The Decline. Concrete Blonde, Bloodletting, Fantastic. Uh, yes, another perfect album. Cocteau Twins, Heaven or Las Vegas. Another perfect album. Here's an oddball. Leather Strip, The Pleasure of Penetration. I actually really like Leather Strip. No, I do too. I love, um, for a more recent example of that style of music, High Functioning Flesh who seemed like they were influenced by like, that portion control and a lot of that late 80s EBM. Um, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, The Good Son. Is that really a goth album? Nick Cave is goth as fuck. I will argue with anyone who says Nick Cave and anything Nick Cave has done is not goth.
1: I don't know if I would agree with that. I know Weeping that song.
0: all goths
1: like Nick Cave, but I think Nick Cave the is... Birthday party. The birthday party is goth.
0: Nick Cave is goth.
1: And Roland Howard is goth, but Nick Cave might be goth adjacent
0: no. Full <laughs> goth. Listen to the cover of Running Scared and tell me you have never been more terrified of Roy Orbison. That's fair. And then the legendary pink, uh, the legendary pink dots crushed Velvet Apocalypse.
1: Well, which is also pretty scary. Yes. It's a, also a perfect album. So which album did you choose? This was so hard. I mean, some of my favorite albums came out in 1990, especially in terms of goth music. But, I feel like I have to go with Too Dark Park because...
0: Skinny Puppy is never a bad choice.
1: Well, Skinny Puppy is one of my favorite bands. And when I was probably 14, I was when I really got into them, which was certainly not in 1990. <laughs> I'm not that old. No, but, we are not that old. But Too Dark Park, for whatever reason, was the first album I heard. I want to say because like somebody put Spasmolytic on a compilation for me. And so this was my first favorite Skinny Puppy album. And it's not, I wouldn't say it's my favorite or that I think it's their best, but it has like a personal connection.
0: That one's also interesting because the music video is directed by Jim Van Bebber.
1: Uh And that music video is fucking amazing.
0: It's terrifying is what it is. I mean, yeah. I love that album, too, because it has one of my favorite songs from them. Nature's Revenge, which is not a ballad, but it's like down tempo for them. Yeah. Too Dark Park
1: is really I, I feel like earlier things like Rabies and Vivisect are are, are uh, more like aggressive industrial and Too yeah. Dark Park is like they just did a bunch of heroin and wanted to relax.
0: It's the Coming Down album. So yeah. That's why you get stuff like that. Although Spasmoletic is certainly like definitely very aggressive. Terrifying.
1: Yeah, it's scary.
0: So, my pick. Yeah. I cheated. It's not an album on this list. That's fine. In fact, it's two albums. Because I picked fucking Danzig. Glenn Danzig, his second solo album, Danzig 2, Lucifuge.
1: It's the best
0: Danzig album. And he also released another album with Sam Hain, um, Final Descent. Final Descent is... It was a big year for the little guy. Wonderful. It. I mean but like those albums are so i know a lot of people don't really like final descent as much as the first two sam Hain records but I, it yeah. has mm-hmm. my favorite song i think from that like era of Danzig, which is his cover of elvis's trouble sounds like almost like a forty-five grave song in the sense that you have the keyboards and you have like a fifties sci-fi vibe with Danzig crooning over it and it's him leaning what he would lean into more a few years later with the um like the fifties crooning like well, Roy Orbison vibe yeah. that you would get on the next Danzig album with Sistina's.
1: I love that, but I think even lucifuge has blood and tears on it and and that that sounds like it could be a 50s ballad oh it's and his voice is so beautiful on it blood and tears is my single favorite danzig song
0: no uh, absolutely and that's one of the reasons why i wanted to pick it because danzig is one of those like (laughs) uh polarizing figures i guess is a good Well, i was gonna say
1: behave yourself don't um, insult Danzig on this show. You almost saw, insulted
0: Peter Steele a few uh, episodes back. So I'm I feel s- like I'm scared of Peter Steele. I have a <laughs> phobia. <laughs> this and Valor. Really you can't be scared of Danzig because he's the size of like, he's, a small child. He's
1: my height. I'm not the size of a small child, but he's
0: great. He also, I met him when I was 13 and he was so nice to me. Which is weird because he can be a complete asshole. I mean, I think we've all seen the video of him getting into the fight and getting knocked the fuck out, right? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I'm i not like making fun of Danzig because I picked these albums because I genuinely like them. I just I love, love Danzig, Danzig as a personality because yeah. he's goofy and much like the lead in the first film is kind of like almost a parody of goth in a way, goth culture. Sure. He, he grew into that eventually, but these were good albums before he got to that point. At some point, we're going to have to do Danzig's movie. The one that just came out? Uh-huh. What is it, Verotica? Something like that. Uh, I don't, like, <laughs> so we when we went into this episode, I didn't want to dunk on anything, and I, like, I kept saying things were bad, and I don't like doing that, and that's one of the reasons why I don't want to watch the Danzig movie, because too many people have already done that. I don't try and do that consciously, is what I'm saying.
1: Well, then we're going to have to have an episode where we just watch a bunch of Danzig
0: music videos and comment on them. I mean, we can watch the Sistina's video, which is one of my favorites from him. Yeah, his videos are great. Danzig is great some of the time.
1: Well, his music from that period was amazing. And I feel like that's if you're going to go off the reservation as far as the list is concerned, <laughs> I, I think that, that makes sense. Well, because I don't think it would be fair to say that dance, solo Danzig belongs on a list of goth albums.
0: Yes and no. Goth adjacent. I think the first album is more straight ahead metal. Well,
1: Samhain you could put on a list of goth albums, but not solo
0: Danzig. I think he fits in. Like I think he was a precursor to the gothic metal scene of the nineties. So what a shame that was. Hey, watch yourself. (laughs) Um, A lot of the gothic metal that rose up out of that was influenced by you know either Typo Negative or Danzig or some of the European bands that helped innovate that scene. So. I think there are arguments that can be made for Danzig being included in goth music, culture, whatever. And in fact, I don't really think you even need to make that argument because I'm pretty sure he's already a part of it. All right, fine. What I say goes, damn it. (laughs) Okay, so to end this episode, we need to bring it back around and figure out if these movies are goth or not. Well, for those of you who have been listening to this entire episode and made it to this point, bless you suddenly just jumped in here but have listened to our other episode we have three rules okay so the first rule is to embrace the darkness which
1: i think all of these movies at least mirror 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 mirror, mirror two have done because they're mirror,
0: mirror Two embrace the darkness oh, to an insanely weird sure degree. As
1: shit but they're about characters who give into the evil power of the mirror and You could sort of make a case that Marley's character is goth
0: or kind of goth. I mean... Mm, I don't even think she's goth adjacent. God damn it. No. (laughs) But certainly by the end of the movie, she's stabbing men. She's stabbing the worst man. That's true. She stabs Mark Ruffalo. Spoiler. Um, That's actually the best part of the movie. It is. So she's goth by the end of the movie. She's a blind nun by the end of the movie, which I think blind nuns are goth, right? Sure. Yeah, okay. Blind nuns
1: trying to convince people of the existence of evil-possessed mirrors? It sounds goth to me. So rule
0: one. Rule
1: number two. Kill your fear. People get killed. Well, and I think in the first movie, Megan kills the
0: mirror. Well, her fear. So the mirror kills her fear and builds confidence in her over time. You're really stretching a, there. She goes on a <laughs> wild ride of evil shirtless boyfriends and <laughs> face munching and there all is kinds of other There's some face stuff. munching. Um and rule number 3
1: live for death.
0: I no don't No one dies. And no one really tries to. No one
1: comes back from the dead, no one is a vampire, no one commits suicide. I don't know that they live for death. No. And they don't they kill people, but they don't seem particularly happy about it.
0: They're not joyous deaths, although the face-munching scene, she does seem to enjoy that. But by then, she's fully evil. So, so
1: two out of three. Uh,
0: we'll call this these movies goth-adjacent. The first one is a goth movie.
1: <laughs> it has a goth in the movie. The protagonist is a goth. It's a goth movie. Okay.
0: They're goth-adjacent.
1: They're both goth movies because they have babes licking blood off of mirrors and making out with mirrors covered in blood. Mirror and fucking. at the end, mirror fucking. And at the end of the first movie, Megan actually makes the mirror gush blood.
0: Oh, I didn't even realize like it comes. There you go. It
1: surely does.
0: It's like the shining. But,
1: but more goth.
0: Ah, no, the shining's more goth. <laughs> you get a whole hallway. You get spray. It sprays. It sprays. It definitely does spray. Okay, on that note, <laughs> this was the evil eye, and we will be back sometime soon with another goth movie or a movie that's got the Jason.